Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. All right, well, good morning once again, Lifehouse family. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to dive into God's Word, and um, I'm excited to continue our series, Something About That Name, where we're looking uh, at what we're celebrating Christmas for, the name of Jesus. Before I do that, though, I do want to formally invite you to join us for Christmas Eve uh, at Lifehouse here. We're going to be having uh, two services, 9 and 1045. It's on a Sunday, so that actually works out really good. So two services, regular service times, 9 and 1045 a.m., would love if you would let us know that you are joining us. We want to make sure we have enough seating for those two services. So you can let us know by texting Eve to 757-690-2401, or you can go online and you can plan your visit there. We just want to make sure that we have enough seating uh, so we can serve as many people as possible on Christmas Eve. But hey, we're going to dive, dive in. Like I said, uh, something about that name. So last, last week, we looked at a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Um, that was written roughly 750 years before Jesus actually came. And we actually want, want to read that. Could we go ahead and put that up? This was a prophecy that was saying, the, 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 like, these are some of the qualities that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to have and is going to bring and is going to make available to you as a follower of Jesus. This is what it says. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Don't you wish it was on his shoulders right now? Lord Jesus. Uh, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Last week we talked about how Jesus is a wonderful counselor. How he wants to walk with you. Give you empathy and be someone that helps you undo the mess in your mind so you can renew it in Christ. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. Everyone say mighty God. So what we're talking about today, mighty God is an everlasting father, prince of peace, and that's what we're going to be talking about next, next week, everlasting father, prince of peace. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love that final verse, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this because God is committed to us. Your commitment to him... <laughs> Right, many times our, our commitment to him is fickle, but God's commitment to us stands firm. When Jesus went and died on the cross for your sins, that was the ever, that, that was kind of like the covenant. That was kind of like the wedding that, that said, I am committed to you. I'm not giving up on you. And so since he is committed to us, that is the basis for, in essence, our commitment to him. But what I want to focus on specifically in this verse today is this phrase, mighty God. Can we just say that one more time? Mighty God. Last week, I asked you the question, what do you have at home that you, that you own, but you have no idea exactly the power of it? Many, many of us own things and have things that, that we don't really know exactly the power and extent of what they can do. And sometimes you buy things or purchase things and, and you, you, you know you have it, you own it, but you don't have full own it. Like, you don't have full accessibility to know what it can do. And I said, this is the way that many people are in their relationship with Jesus. 
They are a follower of Jesus, but they don't have any idea of the benefits package that comes along with following Jesus. And one of the things that we see here in this, in this scripture is some of the quality, some of the benefits package of those that walk with Jesus that is available to us. And like I said last week, we talked about wonderful counselor. Today I want to talk to you about how God is a mighty God. I wanted to start today by showing you maybe something that's a little bit different than you would see in a typical message. This is uh, actually called... I can't find it. Put it in and put and put it. Anyway, any, anyway, this is a picture, one of the first pictures taken from the James Webb Deep Space Telescope that was put into space in 2022. And this is one of the first pictures that it delivered. This is called the Carina Nebula. It's a, This is what it says, NASA website says, this landscape of mountains and valleys speckled with glittering stars is actually the edge of a nearby young star-forming region, NGC 3324 in the Carina Nebula, captured in in infrared light by NASA's new James Webb Space Telescope. This image reveals for the first time previously invisible areas of star birth. Isn't, Isn't that just beautiful? That's an actual, that's not painted. That's an actual picture in the universe. Put up this second image. Now you might look at that and be like, okay, what exactly is that? This, this right here was a picture taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. This is actually called SMACS0723. Powerful name those NASA people give pictures. SMACS0723. This is the actual deepest and sharpest infrared image of the distant universe so far. Literally, the deepest picture a camera has ever taken is that. This is what NASA said. They said light from these galaxies took billions of years to even reach us to where we could see the light. It says we are looking back in time to within a billion years after the Big Bang. Now, just, just, I'm just reading this, so don't be like, Pastor John believes in the Big Bang. You know, don't be <laughs> just reading NASA's site, okay? It says we're looking back in time, because trust me, someone's going to email me. I, I promise. <laughs> someone's going to email me. Back in time within years after the Big Bang when the viewing of the youngest galaxies in the field, the light was stretched by the expression of the universe to inferred wavelengths that Webb was designed to observe it. It says the data revealed light from one galaxy um, traveled uh, 13.1 billion years before Webb's cameras could actually capture it. Now, why, why do I show you this? I'm, I'm going to dive into some stuff, right? But, but also, too, one more picture, and this is called... This was, this was actually made famous by the famous astronomer, astronomer Carl Sagan, who called this the pale blue dot. This was actually taken by Voyager 1, which was actually set off into space in 1977. And 
This was taken from approximately three, this was taken on February 14th, 1990, approximately 3.7 billion miles away from Earth. Carl Sagan, who studied astronomy and studied stuff like this because he was trying to wrestle with the purpose of life. You know, it's like, that, that's what stuff like this does. It can be so far beyond us, we can be like, because it's hard for our mind to even grasp 3.7 billion miles. It's hard for our mind to grasp it took 13.1 billion years for a light to get to us. Right? He said this. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives there. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor, explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every, sup every supreme leader, every saint, every sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And then... And then he said this later in the book. He said, how is it that hardly any major religion has looked at science and concluded, this is better than we thought? The universe is much bigger than our prophets said, grander, more subtle, more elegant. Instead, they say, no, 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 my God is a little God, and I want him to stay that way. A religion, and this is not a Christian. This is an actual atheist. Carl Sagan didn't, did not believe in God. A religion, old or new, that stressed the magnificence of the universe as revealed by modern science might be able to draw forth Reserves of reverence and awe hardly tapped by the conventional faiths. So, John, why are you giving me a science lesson? Why are you giving me an astronomy lesson? Because we're talking today about a mighty God. Everyone has to wrestle with this sort of might and this sort of power. And this sort of knowledge, philosophers have said every human being wrestles with four, with four questions. Where did I come from? What's right and wrong? Why am I here? And where am I going? You, if, if you're talking with somebody about Christ, Jesus, and, and you're like, just ask them about those four questions and see what they say. One of the reasons I think there is strong support for, for the, the Christian faith and why, and why cerebrally it makes sense to me is the Bible, Jesus, those four questions make a lot of sense. Where did we come from? We're not made by some accident of billions of years. We're just a cosmic accident. God made us out of love. What's right and wrong? We actually have a moral compass it's not just relative. Why are we here? We're here to love God and love others. And where are we going? This God that created us and knows us and loves us, one day when we die, death is not the end. Death is the doorway to live with him forever. This is, this is why this is called the good news, because that's good news, y'all. There were a lot of people walking around with either no news or bad news. And we have good news. But the reason why I thought it was important to show you these is because when I talk about a mighty God, I can tell you God's mighty all just because the Bible says it. God is mighty. But sometimes we need to be shocked into wrestling with the might we see all around us that we have become numb to. And I just want to say this starting off. Like, 
I know that there are, there's always been maybe a fight between faith and science. There, you know, it's, 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 you know, because it's, there can be so much fighting over it. And if you've been in the Christian realm, the Christian culture, you've seen it, you've heard it. Creationist versus the atheist. And I just want to say, I don't think the two are diametrically opposed. I think there's actually a lot of synergy between them. Genesis was never meant to be a science book. Genesis was meant to reveal the creator. It says, in the beginning, who? God. And that, to me, is what separates. Even some of our greatest scientists that, 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 that have shown us laws and have shown us, like, they studied the universe because it, to them, was a way to get to know the person behind the creation, to know the creator. And I just think it's, it's so vital for us that I, I'm not afraid of science because here's, a, here's the thing. Even when it says the Big Bang, to me, that just affirms the Bible. Why? The first thing God said is let there be what? What is light? Energy. So it's like scientists are like, oh, we know what happened, but we ain't going to give credit to where credit's due. Because they don't want to acknowledge somebody transcendent beyond them. They want their autonomy. Are are y'all hearing me? And what I felt like it was important to say is, is like when we look at this, y'all, we have to wrestle with this kind of might. And ask, where did it come from? Who has the might and the power to do that? And what we see in scripture and what we hear, what is taught in scripture and what we believe as Christians is there is a creator behind the creation who is a, not just a good God, he is a mighty God. He's mighty. That the one behind this is the same one that knows your name. The one that created the stars and calls them each by name is the one that knows your name. I pray today that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would have a holy awe today. You have a holy awe. Creation is one of the ways that God speaks to us about his mightiness. Romans 1.20, Paul here, he's trying to help people understand because he probably had people in the church asking, well, what about, you know, like, like how do we know that God is real? And this is one of the things that Paul was actually writing. He says, for ever since the world was created, People have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So what Paul is saying here is we can't look at something like this and say that we haven't been made aware of God's power and God's might. He actually says it pretty clearly. He says, men are without excuse. But as men try to make up a world without God, at the end of the day, they're just trying to make up an excuse. Really, what's happening in our culture is a reverse exorcism. Where people are literally trying to cast God out of everything. Because if you can get God out, you can take out accountability. If you get God out, there's no, bound, there, there's, there's no boundaries. And y'all, when this happens, let me tell you what, what actually ends up, and I'm going to put this 
slide up. I said this, if we aren't careful, we can become, as our senior saints would say, too big for our britches. Where we try to take out God and we try to just explain this sort of mightiness and this sort of power. And we actually miss the one and the person that is behind it. And that is the Lord God. Psalms chapter 19. Do we have that? Psalms chapter 19, 1 through 4. Hmm? No, we don't. Well, I'm going to read it to us. Everyone tracking today? Everyone good? Excited to hear God's word? Psalm, Psalm 19, 1 through 4. This is the Psalm of David. It says this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word, yet their, vo- their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. What David is saying here is a creation and the power and this sort of might and power is actually yelling at you, God is real. It's shouting at you, get to know the person behind this. That's why it says heavens and earth proclaim the glory of God. But it's easy for us to become so numb. It's easy for us to put on too big for our britches. And y'all, this is the story of scripture, is mere man tries to put on too big of britches before the Lord. Think about Genesis 6. Noah, why did God have to wipe the earth? Do you know what it actually says in Genesis 6? God said, I'm not going to contend with man forever. Because what was man doing? They were trying to contend with God. Genesis 11 They tried to build the Tower of Babel, a tower to heaven. And the key behind that wasn't the tower that they were building. It was who was going to get the glory in their building. It says, we want to make a tower to give so we can be famous. It's easy for pride to slip into the human heart. It's funny, you can, you know, one of the people we know in the Bible is Job. Job went through a whole lot, and Job got to a point where he was tired of what he was experiencing, so he told God a little piece of his mind. And then we actually see in Job chapter 30, 37, God gives him a piece of his mind. And I want to actually read 20 verses. This is what you were taught not to do in Bible school. Don't read this many verses because people are going are to check out, but I'm going to ask you not to check out. I just want you to hear some of the language that God tells to Job. He says, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man. Oh, boy. He says, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds, I wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? 
As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like day pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that it raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of, of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know why? Do you, do you know how to get there? I just love how God is just asking rhetorical questions, right? Do, do, do you know? Phil, this is what I do to my kids. Do you know? Anyway. <laughs> but of course you know all this. He's got some sarcasm. That's why I love God. But, but of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. I love my God, man. I tell you what. It says, where does, uh, says, okay, so then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything. So, so okay, so God, so I just said, 20 verses of actually three chapters. So then in response to what God told to Job, this is how Job responded. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and so no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I have only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Y'all, my, my heart today is to, by God's grace, have the Holy Spirit reveal to you how mighty God is. I can't preach you into that. It's got to be a Holy Spirit revelation. There are, there are, see, there are two things, information and revelation. Information is things you can read about. Revelation is things that God shows, shows you. And if we are not careful, we will live our lives ignorant of the mightiness and strength of God. And we will miss it. And we will put, our, we will put hope and strength in us. And I just love Job's response. He took responsibility. He's like, God, are you talking about the one that talked out of his butt? It, it, is, it is I. It is I. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust to show my repentance. I love the fact that he just didn't. He said, I, I'm going to, I repent of what I did. I did not see your beauty and your glory and your power, but now I have. And because of it, I, I repent. This is our only response, family, to the mightiness of God. This truth that God is mighty is true whether you believe it's true or not. This is called an objective truth. Our culture does not like objective truths. Our culture is a culture that loves subjective truth. To where you can believe something is true just because you think it's true. But the might of, it's crazy how we will say to things like God, prove yourself to me, when we are saying it with a mouth that God controls. We are saying it with breath that God gives. And I just think, church, we have to make sure to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> it is an objective truth, fam family. And listen, I understand we can have questions. And here's the thing. Lifehouse is a place where you, you can be safe to explore. You can be safe to heal. Like, we know sometimes getting to the truth is a journey. You're safe here at our church. You always have been, you always will be. 
But I, I am praying that, the, that in some of you, the Holy Spirit will speed up the process. Because even some of the reasons why you struggle with some of the things you do is because you don't see the strength of God. You only see the weakness of you. You only see the lack you have. Like the reason why some of us struggle with fear of people is you don't have a fear of God. The reason why some of us struggle to be generous is you see your lack, not God's provision. And one of the things that could actually be hindering you from walking in the fullness that Jesus has, has, has for you is you don't see his mightiness. So I'm praying today by the power of the Holy Spirit that he would reveal that. So here's, here's, here's the deal. Hey, you know, here's, really, this is a very, simple, a very simple message today. How are you going to respond to God's might and God's strength? Because it's true whether you want it to be true or not. There's two options. Everyone say two. Two options. Number one, you acknowledge it and live in light of it. Or two, you ignore it and have it be against you. Kind of being plain today. Ignoring God's might is the definition of pride. Ignoring God's strength and living from your, your own strength is literally the definition of pride. It's saying, God, I got it. God, I don't need you. God had an order of doing things. When he created the world, he wanted man to be in a sweet spot. Everyone say a sweet spot. A sweet spot. Where? You had the creator that created was man ruling. So you had the creator under the under the created, and then you had the created ruling over the creation. Okay? That was the sweet spot in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. This is where man was supposed to be. We were meant to be over creation, ruling and stewarding, and having dominion is what God said, but we were supposed to be under the rule and reign of God in our sweet spot. But what do we do as a culture, and what do we have a proclivity to do? What is the story of the Bible? Is the created wants to rule over the creator. We, we, this is the whole story of Genesis 3. Where Satan came and said, hey, if you take this fruit, God, you know, God's holding something back from you. He doesn't want you to have this fruit because he knows when you get it, you're going to be smarter than him. Did God really say that? Why? Because what was the devil trying to ultimately do? He was trying to get Adam and he was trying to get Eve, take themselves and put themselves above God. And we see the consequences of that. And the thing is, this, the Bible didn't just happen, the Bible happens. The Bible, in so many ways, shows us how human beings are and our proclivities. Like I said, the Bible didn't just happen, the Bible happens, right? The Bible reads us. Genesis 3 isn't just a story that was just Adam and Eve. Genesis 3 is our story. We do this in so many ways, even with relationships. Some of you, did God really say I shouldn't date another Christian? Well, I don't know. Maybe I can get him saved. Posted a picture Instagram and Facebook, I'm not sure if you saw it. Maybe we'll have it for second service, but just, just and, and like, got so many likes, and it, it, was, just, it was just really funny. It, it was basically a girl sitting next to Satan that said, I'm going to bring him home to mama and daddy, and maybe I can get him saved, <laughs> you know, like. But it's like we try to step outside of God's ways of doing things thinking we know better. And we have this proclivity to step outside and take the fruit, eat it, because we want to be wiser and bigger than God. 
But here is God's order, God, man, earth. But here is how we want to be, earth, or man, earth, God. We want to rule over God. And so what my heart is, is today is if you're walking in pride that you'd repent. If you're trying to act like you know better than God today, that you would, your response would be like Job. Lord, I, 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 I have talked about things that, that I didn't know, and I need to humble myself. My son and I, we had a conversation this past week, because I have a soon-to-be 13-year-old. I don't know if you've ever parented an almost 13-year-old. Andy and Claire, I know you guys have. And I'm realizing that with my son, there is a principle that I'm trying to have him understand. So as he's getting older and he's challenging me and he wants to act like he knows more than his dad. Um, I was praying for him the other night and I said, Lord, I pray that you give my son a healthy fear of you. Healthy fear, healthy fear. And so when we got done, my son, who what's, I love that he asks questions, he said, Dad, what, do you, what did you mean a healthy fear of God? I said, well, let me explain to you, Jackson. I said, Jackson, if I wanted to, I could snatch you. And just go ahead and interpret snatch. I could snatch you. But I don't. Why? Because I want to have relationship with you. And I don't want the relationship to be where you are scared of me, to even be around me, to even be in my presence, to even be near me, to where you are so scared, you're thinking about, am I doing the right thing? You know, and, and to where you are paralyzed by, my, by your fear of me. I said, Jax, I could do that. I could, but I said, I don't. I choose to walk the line of trying to get you to have a posture towards me of where you know I'm in authority. You know that God has placed me in authority over you. You know my heart that I want the best for you, that if I have to discipline you, it grieves my heart. And when I do it, I do it not out of anger or rage. I do it out of love because I'm concerned about the kind of human being you are becoming. But I want you to also know my deep love for you, that I want relationship with you, that when I am near you, you hold my hand, you trust my heart, we can laugh and we can joke and we can be together and we can have a good time and we can be in relationship. I said, that is what a healthy fear is. You understand the authority and you walk in light of it. You walk in light of the power and authority and might of who is over you, yet you appreciate. And because of that, you understand that the relationship peace is actually more secure now because of the might that I have. So it doesn't crush you, it empowers you. And this is what I was trying to explain to him. I said, Dad, I want you to go, go to school knowing I got my 
my dad got my back. Every day on the way to school, I drive him to school every day. I, what I pray as he's getting out of the car, I pray Jackson would know how much I love him, how proud I am of him. I don't want my son living his life to get my approval. I want him to know he's living from it. That's the way God is with us. You don't have to live a certain way to get his approval. You actually, as a son or daughter of God, you start from it. And then you learn to live up and live out who God has already said you are. This is the good news of the gospel. It changes your identity first, and then your actions start to line up to who you, what your identity now is. So one of the things uh, Paul said, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. This is what makes Christianity different than every other religion. If it's not do good, then you'll become. It's you've become, now go do. This is good news. But it produces that, like, I'm, so y'all seeing what I was telling Jackson? I said, brother, I could snatch you. But I ain't going to do that because I want to have relationship. But I need you to be aware of my power and might. And when I exert it, it's not out of anger, it's out of love. And y'all, this is, I believe, the sweet spot that God is calling his people to live in. We acknowledge his power, his might, his strength, his wisdom, but it is far beyond us. Yet at the same time, that doesn't make us fearful or scared. What that actually does is it draws us closer to them because we know the same God that has this might and the power is full of love and compassion and mercy. Are y'all hearing me? We live in that sweet spot of a healthy fear, a healthy reverence of him. We know that God is for us. This God that is mighty and strong and I mean, bi- uh, galaxies, billions of galaxies. I mean, just the stuff we just saw, some of the stuff that I read. You know, this, this is what it says in Romans 8. If, if you could go two slides over. It, this is a simple verse that Paul wrote to brand new Christians in the city of Rome. And he was trying to get them to understand the gospel and the goodness of God and who God is. And one of the things he says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Some of y'all, y'all just need to take out your phone and take a picture of that and make it your screensaver because you love God, but you think the world's against you. And every day you battle feeling like everyone and everything is against you, forgetting the fact that if God is for you, it don't matter who's against you. It don't matter what's against you. Because this same God that we talked about as being mighty and powerful and so far beyond us is the God, as we start to follow Jesus, is actually the God that gets on your side. Here, here's a way to translate this verse. If God is on our side, we can't lose. Now we have to understand that we make sure losing, like what the context of that is, because here's the thing. Sometimes winning and losing is based on the kind of season you're in. Here's the thing. As, as being a Jaguars fan, which I've been for many years, There'd be seasons where we would win five games. They're like, man, y'all had a losing season. No, we didn't. We had won the year before. We got five wins this season. You know what we just had? A winning season. 
It's so great to see the Patriots losing. I just got to say that. If you're a Patriots fan here, I love you. The Sparks fam, we give a shout out to you. But Y'all had 20 years of winning football. They went to 10, Vernon, 10 Super Bowls in 20 years. They don't deserve another winning season forever. I, did, I don't even know, that didn't even apply to anything. I just wanted to say that. Oh, I'm talking about, about winning. I was like, I don't know where, the, where this is going. But, but here's, the, here's, here's the thing. Winning looks different in different seasons. And some of you, because you've, exp- you've experienced some losses, you think you're losing, but you, you don't realize you've lost a few battles. You haven't lost the war. Because, y'all, Christians, we don't live from, def- y'all, we live from victory. The end of this book right here. The ending is Jesus wins. Scripture says that every knee is going to bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's an objective truth of like not if you will bow, but when you will bow. Will you willingly bow? Or you will or will you be forced to bow? And so I just feel like I wanted to encourage some of you today that have been in a season where you feel like you've been losing. Feel like by God's grace you need to take a few steps back and see the context. As a follower of Jesus, Jesus was clear. You're going to have moments. You're going to have times where, I mean, if you want an example, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't suffer so we wouldn't suffer. Jesus suffered as an example for us to realize what the path towards living in the kingdom of God looks like, and it's paved with pain. So I'm not going to sit up here and tell you like a lot of prosperity preachers say, just do these things and you'll be exempt from that. I'm telling you, if you're going to follow Jesus, get ready for pain. But the pain is never wasted. The pain is transformed into purpose. That's what makes it different. That's why Jesus was able to do what Jesus did. It's because Jesus submitted to his father and I mean, even think Jesus submitted to his father's authority and his father's might, his father's power. How could we not do the same? So it, it says if God's on our side, we can't lose. And I just want to say the truth is you won't lose, but the truth is you'll lose some battles. But you won't lose the war because if you belong to Jesus, Jesus wins, you win. This pains me to say, but it's kind of like you're on the, the Patriots back when they had Tom Brady. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing. Jesus perfectly exemplified God's mind. You can go up and start to play key so we can land this plane. Jesus perfectly exemplified God's might and God's strength. What, what, what I love is that when you, you know, Jesus was not just another good teacher, wasn't just a good moral teacher. Jesus was God in the form of flesh. So we're celebrating at Christmas is the fact that Jesus came into a human body. All the fullness and the deity of God in a human body. And Jesus perfectly exemplified God's might, that God used his power and his might and his strength to serve, not dominate. It's one of the things that makes the gospel so good. It's this powerful God, billions of galaxies that we haven't even explored, we never will explore, stars that take billions of years to, billions of years to even see the, the light. See, that, that God took his strength, took his power, and used it to serve you. Could have crushed you 
could have, fear me or else. No, he said, I'm, I'm going to use my power, my strength to serve you. So when we talk about a mighty God, I, I pray that when you even hear mighty God, what would rise up into you is almost this feeling inside of you that all you can do is bow. so far beyond me so far beyond anything I could ever think or imagine that you know my name I think until the church has this has this posture we'll keep playing games with God I just believe that I believe we'll keep playing games with God and we'll keep in subtle ways ignoring his power ignoring his might I just pray that in our church there would be this deep sense of holy awe of this mighty God that can only be revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and that our response would be nothing but utter submission like Job take everything but we don't live in that unhealthy fear we live with a healthy fear he's beyond me he's powerful he's great but he's my friend he's on my side he knows my name. Lord, would you make it so in our church? We acknowledge your might and your power. Yet we thank you, God, that you give us the opportunity to know you and be known by you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, this is nothing I can preach people into. This is something you have to reveal, God, that you are worthy. You are awesome. You are mighty. And that, God, our response to that would just be even speechless. Lord, I curse, curse the spirit of pride in our church. Lord, that would make its way known in subtle ways in the way we live in relationships, the way we deal with our money, the way we deal with our time. That, God, you would convict today of subtle ways we are prideful. And that, Lord, if we need to repent, that we would repent today. Lord, I thank you today that you are kind and you are loving. You're a good father who could snatch us, but you don't. You've got a time where that's going to happen, but, but God, we, we don't have to surrender to that. We don't have to live in that. We could receive your love today and live in light of that. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, 
you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.